Ready for the interview And if you get a cue Live on the laptop Watch what I'm gonna do Welcome to the show Let them know we got a point of view Hey, yo Let's have a combo Say what you feel Be real, that's the motto Real talk, pronto Doctor D, PhD Hit the intro Hold up, wait Gotta be social Network global Home for the locals Gotta be social Network global Home for the locals you know what? This is uh, this is gonna be really fun because, I, like I was saying, I see a lot of you actually these days. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I know, right? So uh, we we go back a little bit, a little bit of ways here. <laughs> with, Started uh, with the podcast. With the podcast <laughs> and uh, um, girls throw too, right? The whole deal. Yeah. Well, we're kicking off the start of cornhole month here, and. I've played a lot of cornhole in my life, but I never thought it was like a professional thing. Yeah. And uh, and now you're announcing cornhole. This is crazy <laughs> to me. I mean, how did this happen? It's a weird world, weird world that I live in, I have to tell you. Um, if I'm going to be honest, it started probably like in 2009 or so when I decided that I was going to be on TV. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you really think, or maybe even it started when I was like seven years old doing musical theater and I wanted to be a performer, right? Like, yeah. I, who knows? But all this manifesting led to somehow getting wrapped up in the world of cornhole just by being a player and loving it and putting myself out there on social media and stuff and having the American Cornhole League take notice. ACL, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you're, uh, what I find is so funny in talking to you is, you know, when we're talking our once a week training and stuff and you're all over the place. So it'd be great for the listeners to know, like, where are the headquarters of the ACLU and what's the typical travel schedule for someone who's doing what you're doing in Cornhole? Yeah, the HQ is in South Carolina in Rock Hill. And it terms of the travel season, we're all over. Um, I'm grateful that I'm, I live on the West Coast and I'm grateful that we're getting more events here on the West Coast, but it does seem like as a player, it's heavily in the mid mid to East Coast. Um, West Coast is a little bit later to develop the cornhole professional competitive part of the game. Um, so you're seeing a lot going, but I've been at just about everywhere. <laughs> like not every state, but bouncing all over the US for sure. Right. And I'm curious, is it is it just originated on the East Coast primarily, the sport? Is that why it's so centric for that area or the Midwest? Technically, Cincinnati is Cincinnati. like where where the I would say the like what it is today was originated. I mean, you can go back and way far into history and see people throwing things into a hole. Right. But in terms <laughs> of what we know it to be today, it's Cincinnati that really kind of uh, put cornhole on the map. Okay, this is dumb, but like, was it actually like corn being thrown in a hole? Yeah. <laughs> the bags used to be filled with corn. In fact, uh, when we first started playing in our backyard, we used to go through bags all the time because we'd leave them outside and the rats would eat them because there's corn yeah, inside. Yeah. So yes, it did have corn. That's not what we play with today. <laughs> What's what is inside them today? Actually, is it now plastic? Plastic resin is what you're gonna find inside of a cornhole bag. Wow. And would you, did you tell me it was like a pound or something like that? Is that how much yeah. it weighs? Yep. A bag is going to be a professional bag uh, is going to be one pound. So this, there's so, so much more to this than you would ever think, actually. Agreed. And I think like we started talking initially kind of about how like the different players 
and how there's a big psychology to cornhole. And um, you wouldn't think necessarily there is, but there totally is, right? For a lot of reasons. One, because it's a, it's you have a partner on the other side. There's also singles, but it's basically a singular sport. So it's all on you, right? That's a lot for any human being to take on competitively is you're not part of a team, right? So you have that aspect and then you have the aspect of time. So most sports are reactionary. You don't have time to think unless you're throwing a, um, you know, like a, you got fouled and you're doing an extra kick or an extra throw or whatever. Like there's times when you do have that or you're um, kicking field goals. That's the only time you have time. Most sports are going quick. You're just responding to what's happening around you. But in cornhole, you're standing there about to throw a bag and you have 12 seconds to throw the bag and a lot can happen in your head in 12 seconds. That's totally true. I mean, I think you could like psych yourself out, you know, it's especially like uh, professionally, like, you know, if I'm playing in my backyard and stuff, I'm just having a good time, you know, and not putting all this, there's nothing on it. You know, maybe I put 20 bucks on Venmo or something (laughs) like (laughs) <laughs> but there's what's the money like for these players playing at, at this point? Yeah, the purse is a million. Come so, on. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> million dollars. And that's just what you could win from tournaments. The bulk of your money is going to actually come from sponsors. And our top players are going to make um, a six figure deal with a with a bag sponsor. So funny. I think you were telling me, is it Mark who has a big bag sponsor? Mark Richards? Yes. He's coming up on the show. It's like that's crazy to me. It's like a little bag. It's like a... <laughs> and I, as far as I know, Mark Richards still works full time. So it's kind of it's crazy. a teacher, isn't he? Like, yeah, yeah. So we do have players that are doing cornhole full time. Uh, we also have most of our players still working full time jobs and doing this as much as they can, which is kind of crazy. Uh, you know, I hope that we can get to the point where everyone's just doing it full time because it's a lot to juggle. You've got to throw so many bags consistently to stay at the elite level and compete. This also actually reminds me of way back in the day, 50s and 60s, NFL football players had to work jobs in their off season. And then they would go play in the NFL. And this was before the real money was there for it. Yeah. It feels like it's kind of the same thing. Yes. Uh, but I feel like it's probably going to get there. But <laughs> I wonder what you do when you play cornhole full time. Like, you do, like what, <laughs> what's your life like? <laughs> I don't know. I honestly am at a loss for that one. I don't know. I don't know how you throw more than a few hours a day. I mean, that would be a right. lot of throwing. It's not like you're switching up arms, are you? I mean, you're using the same arm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would be a lot. And honestly, I, I tell players all the time, like, you don't need to practice four hours a day. You just need to have very strategic and focused practice to get the most out of it. Because basically all you're doing is muscle memory. You're getting in reps. Yeah. But you're, you know, I, I would assume it's the same thing as like a free throw situation, yeah. getting in reps. Oh, my gosh. Now, this is also interesting, too. I think for the listeners, the pro age range the is crazy, actually. Yeah. Right. It's kind of like there's like super young people. Talk a little bit about this. Yeah. Our youngest is 12. Uh, we have That's a couple nuts. of we have 12 and a 13 year old. Maybe he turned 13 now, but 13, 12 is our youngest. And our oldest, I want to say is Deborah Odom. And I believe she is in her late 60s. Wow. I mean, my daughter is 11. I will say she's pretty good at cornhole, actually. I mean, she's like she's she's like actually really good. <laughs> she's better you know? than me. But uh, I. <laughs> That's crazy to me that someone could be so young. It's not unprecedented. There are younger people in like gymnastics and stuff like that. But what does it take to become a pro player? What's the criteria to get in? 
there's a few ways you can make pro. One is going to be through points. So you would attend ACL events throughout the year and win big and get points. And then if you get a certain amount of points, you'll automatically become a pro. Um, the second way would be through the qual pro qualifiers. So you're going to come to Rock Hill, South Carolina for the world championships, and you're going to compete on Sunday. Last year, I want to say there was over 800 people in that pro qualifier with wow. eight spots. Um, so the odds are not in your favor there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's an, maybe it was 16 spots. I can't remember the amount of spots we had, but it was low. Um, they compared it to like trying to get into like a, a really good college. Yeah, like, like USC. Yeah, it's like yeah. crazy. It's like less than 10% of the people get in. It's like most people are not going there. Right. Like... That's essentially the pro qualifier. That's why if you make it through the pro qualify, you're already kind of on everyone's radar. Mm. Um, you could also get in through, uh, we do these conference um, championships and you could win that. That would be in your area. You could win that to become a pro. It's like a pro conference. Um, was... And then do you get like a card or something like it says you're like a pro or like what's the deal? <laughs> no, I mean, I don't think so. You get a jersey. <laughs> Come on. It should be like something you get. It's like I'm the, I get it. <laughs> I know. Um, not that I know of. Uh, don't me <laughs> that, but I don't think there are pro cards. <laughs> this would be funny. It's like, it feels like a big deal to me because so it sounds like so few people are actually able to achieve a pro level yeah. status, you know? 264 uh so we have 264 pros and obviously you have the ones that continue on they don't if you if you make top uh, 100 in uh singles and top 50 in doubles you're automatically a pro for the next season so you have all those people carrying over um then you have the people coming through all the various ways so that does fill most of the spots um we do still have an application process to get in and that's mostly because we want to get more women or seniors or different people that aren't necessarily making it through the other ways. Cause we're still in the growth part of our sport. Yeah. Um, so we're creating a little bit of opportunity for those people. Um, I would venture to guess the application process would go away next season or the one after. Can you ever lose your pro status? Like, yeah. Yeah. How do you, how does that happen? Um, well, if you don't qualify, like I said, in the top 50 or hundred, you, you have to then fight for your spot like everybody else. So you can mm. lose your pro status that way. Um, and so those pros will be in that pro qualifier with all the other people. And then, um, obviously if you do something you shouldn't be doing, you know, illegal, <laughs> like, something like that, you will absolutely lose your spot. <laughs> and the other thing would be cheating. So at this point, um, everything other than the broadcast on ESPN and CBS, the players do their own scoring. So they're oh. on the tablets doing their own scoring. So if a player was to cheat and put in their scoring correctly, um, that would be grounds for suspension and potentially losing your pro status. Wow. It's, I first, this is terrible in my mind. I'm thinking, what's the performance enhancement here? I mean, it's like, it's like... <laughs> not yet. <laughs> um, I'm on the juice, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if they were going to be using something, it would be something to help them focus. Right. Concentration yeah. type of mm -hmm. thing. Let's get yeah. into the announcing part of it. This was like, uh, I don't know, man. This is like I've told so many of my other clients about you and they're like, wait, 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 wait. Announcing for cornhole. How does that work? <laughs> <laughs> like, so, and have you seen the darts competitions? <laughs> that, that's crazy to me. <laughs> Those people get excited about darts. 
<laughs> I love darts, by the way. I mean, it's <laughs> but it's funny. How do you prepare for announcing? Like, do you have like a ritual routine? Like, how do you feel like I'm going to bring my best performance to this? Um, there's not much I do to prepare at this point because I'm pretty familiar with all of our players. You know, when I first started, I was doing a lot of research so that I didn't sound dumb, like walking up <laughs> Mike and having a player walk up and be like, who is this? <laughs> so I definitely wanted to make sure that I could do as much of homework at home. And I also had like a binder where I had every pro and what bags they threw and whatever stats so that I would sound somewhat knowledgeable on the mic because I was, I'm, I'm always color, right? So I'm not the play-by-play, -play, I'm a yeah. color commentator. Um, so I'm not really there to be like analyzing things or really being too impressive on my knowledge, but I'm mostly there just to be the other voice um, on the other side of that mic. And, and I do the interviews. So on broadcast days, I do all the pre-broadcast interviews with the players. And then that I have a lot of information going into the broadcast that, the other two broadcasters may not have because they weren't present for those interviews. So I'll hop on the mic sometimes during the broadcast and say like, Hey, you know, I was talking to so-and-so earlier and they let me know that this is why they chose that bag and blah, blah, blah. So I can kind of bring in some of that. Um, and it's also helped me prepare for the interviews, right? The sideline reporting part of the job to interview them when they win. Crazy. I, like they chose the bag. I'm like, is this like choosing a bowling ball? I mean, it's, it's like, I know, yeah. I, I swear I don't get this. I, I want to know, but it's just kind of like, because the bags have different speeds. Um, so they're going to have to choose a bag based on the board conditions, which they won't necessarily know until they get there and start throwing on them. This is wild, actually. This is stuff you never think about when you're playing recreation. What's the board speed? It's like, you know. <laughs> Yeah, the, the broadcast boards are known usually for being fast because they're brand new, so they don't have a lot of miles on them. And so players are usually prepared for them to be fairly quick, and they're going to have a slower bag on hand. Um, but, for uh, example, in Arizona, they found the boards were playing pretty slow, so that was kind of, you know, throwing them off a little bit in terms of, okay, well, that was playing a lot slower than I thought. Should I switch my bag? Should I just throw a little bit harder? Um, and, and that kind of stuff goes into your your decisions. And also the bag color, because on, on ESPN – the bags have to be such different colors that you as the viewer watching at home can tell whose is whose. And so if you and your opponent walk up with the same color, similar looking bags, then uh, whoever has the lower uh, seat has to switch out, switch out their bags. There's just a lot here that yeah. I have not talked to you about personally. <laughs> about a lot of, That's that crazy. Goes, a lot goes into it. No, it does. Because I think about like, if it had the, the board hasn't been used that much, so maybe the, the bag will fly off pretty quickly if you don't and maybe one that's a little more has more friction because it's been used more this is insane actually. and location so our open last weekend was in florida and everyone said the bat the boards were so sticky it was like 90 and oh. humid you know and obviously this is indoor right we're indoor but yeah. it takes into consideration the outdoor uh, weather and so everybody said the boards were playing really really slow and you could see you could see a lot more um, unintentional blocks happening or bags just getting hung up and not sliding in as easily. I, there's just way more to this than anyone would ever think it is <laughs> for that. It's so when, and right, yeah. right, exactly. Now, when you're at these events, I know we've talked a little bit about this, but what's it like the full event? Like, is it like a party? Is it more of like subdued, you know, a lot of cheering? What's the environment like? It's um, okay, well, during the day, like before the broadcast, when it's all the prelim stuff, it's pretty, I would say, serious. 
Like you're, you're not usually going to hear music. The only time there's been music is like if a bar or something, like one of the vendors has music, but like the venue itself, it's all you hear is bags hitting the board. And there's like hundreds of lanes of cornhole boards, right? So it's just a ton of bags hitting boards. That's what you hear when you walk in. Wow. And there's so many people, right? So there's so many people um, playing cornhole. You see the broad the, or the streaming court that we put on at the ACL. That's where we commentate during the prelims. Um, so you, you see the people having to come over there and obviously that peaks more nerves, right? Now you're on the live stream for thousands of people to watch. Um, so that part's all like pretty subdued, um, and pretty serious. And then once you get to the broadcast and you have people sitting in the stands and drinking and enjoying themselves, we have a DJ. I used to be the DJ last season. So we have music playing and that's when you can see a lot more excitement and, um, it really, we're trying to grow it as a spectator sport. That's our focus this season. And it's really, really fun to watch and be there in the room for those broadcasts. It actually is fun to watch. I mean, yeah. I've actually, ever since meeting you, I remember one time I went on a trip to North Carolina and I went to this brewery and there was cornhole playing. It's like ESPN on the mm -hmm. screen. And I watched the entire thing. My wife's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm watching cornhole. I got to see how it ends. <laughs> I, got I was like really transfixed. I was like, well, let's see what they do on this next shot. Yeah, we try really hard to focus in on the stories of the players that you do get connected. Like, you know, Damon Dennis comes on. He's this like good old country boy. He's in his 60s. He's like, he's easy to root for. You want to see him win, right? You're like, I right. got to see if I can get through this. Uh, so Hopefully you can get kind of connected to the players. We we had another player um at this last shootout in in Arizona who lost his father three weeks before the tournament in a in a oh. tragic accident at, on the farm. So like, how do you not root for him and stay to yeah. see if he wins, right? So really trying to focus on the players and the stories, and they come from all over the place. They all have unique stories and walks of life, and uh, it's it's easy to root for them. Is there an international aspect to it? Do you have international players ever come through? We do. Yeah, so we have ACL Canada, ACL Europe. Wow. I want to say we have one more, and I'm totally blanking. We had one in um, uh, Rotting Rottingham oh. last season. We do Canada every year. Um, I forget where we're going this year. <laughs> I already forgot. We're going somewhere <laughs> to Canada this year, but we're going somewhere else too, and I'm totally blanking. But uh, we are trying to expand our international reach um and usa cornhole is really focused on getting cornhole into the olympics oh that would be crazy mm -hmm. that would be i'm telling you a lot of people are watching in the olympics it's pretty listen if they could watch some of the crazy stuff that's in the olympics now we're not the craziest right i mean <laughs> we're definitely not the, what's craziest? the thing where they're like the shuffle and they're like the ice thing and they're like i'm like how do people watch this but it's super popular yeah. And, and there's some stuff I'm like, I'm not sure. Like, yeah. uh, I mean, That's there's surfing. It will be fine. Be fine. <laughs> yeah. Skateboarding was in the Olympics and I watched every second oh, of the skateboard. That's so entertaining. Absolutely. Right? I thought it was one of the best additions to the Olympics was skateboarding. I was like, this is so rad, man. I was like, it's incredible. So what, what do you see yourself with this, Michelle, over time? I mean, you seem to be very involved in this world, but I mean, what would you like to do with it? I think it's kind of like a two-part thing. You know, my my business prior to Cornhole was focused on uh, body image and, and uh, women really finding themselves in their bodies and connecting to themselves and having their ideal bodies and that stuff. So I've always tried to see how I could make all this blend together, which sounds kind of weird considering 
soul and body image, like how do these things come together? But I do a lot of videos and converse and, and talks and conversations on the mental side of cornhole, bringing in my background in psychology and the way that I taught women about weight and food and those things. I'm just doing it here with com competition and um, performance anxiety and things like that. I honestly think that cornhole is this unique thing that has a lot of the components that people require in life to be fulfilled. Um, it, it has connection to your body because you have to be present if you, you want to throw well. You cannot be stuck in your head and do well. It's impossible. So you have to be connected to your body, which is a huge thing that I teach. It has a community. When you start actually going to your local leagues and, and just playing on like a Wednesday night with people in your area, you will have an instant family. A lot of people don't have that. They don't have a community um, and not ones that they're really close to. Um, so it brings connection and community where the two of the things that the women that I worked with on their bodies and weight struggled with the most, right? They were disconnected and they didn't have a good friends community behind them. And then the other thing is competition. We as humans like to grow. We like to be challenged. And I know for me before cornhole, I would funnel that into kind of dysfunctional things. Like I would, try, like I was so addicted to growth and competing that I was doing it in ways that weren't really productive. And now I'm like channeling it all to trying to get a bag in a hole. And it, it like feeds that part of me that needs to do that. Um, it's challenging. It's really challenging. And so it, I just see cornhole as potentially a way that I could help people actually improve their mental health and become more fulfilled humans on something as silly as this sport. <laughs> you know, I want to um, spend some time on the um, the women's aspect of it. And now we've had discussions about this, but there are men's and women's division, if I'm correct. Mm -hmm. And I remember asking you, I was like, why? I was like, there doesn't seem to be any physical delineation between correct. this. But you mentioned something very interesting about uh, how the different genders feel about playing each other. There's something to that effect. You know? Yeah, so it's kind of like how we orient men being better at math like a big part of the reason why men do better on math tests is because we keep saying men are, are better at math. And actually they've done studies where they told the women, hey, at this test, women performed better or the same as men and tested them and they tested the same as men and then not telling them that and they tested lower than men. So we know there's something to say about if we keep saying men are better at X and then put women in that same environment that they won't be as successful most of them. And that's what we see with cornhole. It's male dominated. So no, is there any gender uh, difference? Not at all. It's one pound. Everybody can get the one pound bag 27 feet into the, well, I guess 30 feet to the hole. But the difference is that nobody's saying women are better or, or equal to men at the sport. We're saying it, but we're not really saying it. <laughs> like we're saying yeah. there should, there shouldn't be a difference, but we're saying that there is a difference. Um, and so as much as women say, oh, I don't think there's a difference between my ability to compete and with men, subconsciously, we have this gender bias kind of happening um, that we can't ignore or pretend isn't there. That's an, that's an incredible thing to think about because you really think about it. Any woman could beat a guy in cornhole. I mean, mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like there should be any difference. I mean, it's it's an, it's incredible what we do with our minds and, and the kind of the self-fulfilling prophecy we have with these things. Um, so, cause I'm like, this is definitely a sport where, uh, this should not matter. <laughs> oh man. Absolutely. Like at all. It's Yet not the, the kids, 
Like the kids are actually outperforming the adults a lot of the time. Mm. Uh, the reason why we don't have more juniors in the division is because we only have eight spots for under 18 players in the pro mm. field. And that's because we have a contract with DraftKings. So we can't bet on kids. So we have uh. to limit the amount of pros we have that are, are under 18. But if you start to look at like all these amateur players that are coming to compete at opens and beating pros, a lot of them are very young. Hmm. I mean, what's, what do you think that is while the younger players, they have time time to practice. (laughs) They don't have, they don't have kids and families to take care of (laughs) jobs and people's mouths to feed. I mean, if you think about it, they have more time. They also don't probably get, I'm assuming as stuck in their head as adults do. Yeah. They're a little bit more free, I think, with that type of thinking. Yeah. And you know what? I think the generations coming up, um, they just have less identity with this sense of like this gender does better at this and that. I think there's just there's maybe is also, I think, a little different mentality potentially. Uh, as well be. with that. I love your dog coming in and out all the time. It's like, <laughs> I'm used to this. Everyone, I'm used to this. Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, they love to steal the show. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hilarious <laughs> for that. That is, that is so. Uh, it's, I'm just fascinated by how people can be so so young and so good at something. And you mentioned, I think the the one of the one of the younger players. They're not only pro; they're like one of the better players. Yeah. In the whole world, right? Yeah. Alex Hicks, he's a top, he's considered a top 10 player. Do you think so? Top 10 out of 264 people. He's 13. And his composure is better than most adults. You know, he misses a bag and he's not throwing a fit. He loses, he's shaking hands, he's walking away, he's like, it's okay. And that's not what a lot of adults are doing. He's <laughs> <laughs> not quite that gracious. <laughs> wow. Is his parents must be amazing or no? I mean, what's the deal? I mean, his parents are always there. They they are very supportive. Yeah. I have to, you know, give kudos to them. But also there's a set of twins that so they're the same age. They're both 13 and one is super fiery and one is not quite as fiery. <laughs> so who knows? <laughs> you know, a lot of it's probably personality. Um, and honestly, the big thing that I keep trying to hone in on these players is it's all about emotional regulation. Like, you know, you can't not feel nervous or you can't not feel disappointed or frustrated. Or, like, all, those are emotions. You can't control them. But if you don't learn how to navigate them, especially in the middle of a match, they'll take over. Yeah, no, make there's you're making me see all the analogies to life. Cornhole is life. Cornhole is life. <laughs> Corn- Ted Lasso. Football is life. Cornhole is life. Exactly. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. There is a lot of a lot of uh, comparisons to life with cornhole here. With that. No, no, really. I, I use it as an analogy all the time, and that's why I think that like. I've been brought into this cornhole world because I think I can teach all the concepts I've been trying to teach in a really easy to digest way because mm. you're out there throwing bags and I'm like, Oh, by the way, we're going to talk about this emotion that's coming <laughs> up. Like, you know I mean? you're like, Oh, if it's going to make me play better, I'll listen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people want to win, right? They want to be good at something. And if this helps them become better, they usually are like, okay, I'll check this oh, out. Yeah. And the, the addictive quality of competitive cornhole. Like you probably think <laughs> cornhole is fun in your backyard. Like I did yes, too, of course. but until I went to my first, and when I say competition, I don't mean like big competition. I just mean the one locally here that you play in for $10 and have fun. Yeah. But when you do that for the first time, you're like, oh, oh, I'm in. I am in. Like you will get so addicted. You'll want to go and play as much as you possibly can. You'll want to wow. become the best player you can. It has the most addictive quality of anything I've ever done before. 
Um, and that's not just me. You can ask anybody that plays a lot and they, every person that comes in new is like hooked. I see them every week. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and that's, that's partly the community. We, okay. you know, we, Cornhole people do a really good job of making people feel welcome and, and warm and friendly, no matter who you are, what your background is. Um, it's just this really safe place to come and be with people. And we all have the shared interests and you get to hang out and have fun. I know at our local, because we run a league here, when we get new players, if we ever hear one of the veteran players was frustrated with their new player as a partner, they get talked to. Like, we don't mm. tolerate that. You have, you have to bite your tongue and support that new person to make sure they want to come back. So, and I see that a lot in this, in, in this industry. I mean, what is happening here? This is incredible. <laughs> Stuff. I mean, wow. Wow. That's cool. I want to get back to the DraftKings thing. I didn't know that, that, uh, yeah. how, how is the betting work for that? Like, what That's do you bet on? Lines. Yeah. I mean, obviously we, we're not approved in every state. I can't bet here in California. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember the States offhand. Um, but you're going to bet on, on lines. So it's going to have, have the, the players you can bet on man of the year, women of the year and team of the year, which would you, which would come out at the end of the season, obviously. And then every pro, um, match or every pro event uh, there's going to be lines on all the players like the top I want to say 20 players or so um, and we actually cover the lines um, I host two podcasts one's around the ACL one's bagging and bragging and bagging <laughs> and bragging we go through the lines when they come up for those events and, and tell you our our picks and that kind of thing I love that name bagging and bragging <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, I just I mean you can bet on anything at this point absolutely I mean it yeah, could be I mean, there could be a lineup on like people's like relationship over or under <laughs> people are betting on it. So. I'm sure people are betting on those things. Absolutely. That's <laughs> no wild, doubt. man. I mean, I, I used to do some horse betting and I thought this is crazy. You know, <laughs> it's like yeah. cornhole betting. If I, yeah. I have some friends who would love to bet. And if I told them, hey, you could bet at DraftKings, they'd be like, anyways, <laughs> I'm like, no, seriously. <laughs> I mean, depending on where you live. Yeah, you absolutely can. And it's um. I think that's pretty fun. Obviously, I'm not allowed to bet as an employee of the ACL, but yeah. I, I would imagine it'd be really fun to to follow those players. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was actually following the California thing because it was up for and during the election for online for betting. And then it got uh, rejected, essentially, yes, which I did. was like, man, I, that seems I don't know. I, I guess I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, um, it's I strange. That's how California would go just based on the state. But the other thing, I'm not sure um, if we're going to have betting on teams, but we have teams as well. We have cornhole teams. So those are regionally based teams with 16 players that got drafted um, back in Myrtle Beach over New Year's. Weekend. Yeah, <laughs> so I hosted that draft with a, a few other ACL personalities. And um, we had like a war room where the captains were sitting there with their <laughs> spreadsheets and on their zoom calls with the other players on the teams. And when you got picked, you, the commissioner said your name and you got your hat and it was a whole thing. Um, so we do have teams, uh, regional teams are 16 of them. So, uh, you can follow your team and that would help you be able to watch these broadcasts and know who to root for is just pick your team, right? Whoever's closest to you. Yeah. I mean, is it going to be fantasy cornhole? I mean, it's like, I'm in two fantasy cornhole leagues. Uh, no, wait, 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 wait. I, I, I was just joking. I was like, um, yeah. One Michelle, I didn't know this about you. I'm telling you, I didn't know the this. Second one, we haven't done the draft yet. That's coming up. I think it's next weekend, but the other one I've already drafted my team. 
<laughs> this is unbelievable, by the way. The other one is a podcast. Uh, it's all the podcast hosts in the industry. So it's just a podcast host only league. And the other one's an open league. But yeah, I do I have a, two Cornhole fantasy. You may be in too deep at this point. <laughs> At least I make a living off of this uh, crazy obsession, I guess. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like whenever I talk to people about you, they're like, no, no, they make money doing this. I'm like, yeah, it's like a real thing. (laughs) I do get paid. Um, I do get paid and all my travels paid. So it's a fun way to see the world. Do you think that people like honest, this is the honest truth. Like when I heard about this, I started thinking about the Ocho on like dodgeball. And I yeah. think while it's funny, it also kind of like somewhat delegitimizes stuff for people. They're like, oh, it's a joke. It's on, you know, like ESPN eight or something. You know, I, do you think that Cornhole fights a little bit of that? Like, oh, is it a sport actually type of thing? You know, I think so. It doesn't help that we're on the Ocho every year. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but I think it's fun. And honestly, uh, you know, we so last year at Worlds, we had our broadcast right after us was a uh, professional air guitar, air guitar. And I'm no. like, come on. come on. Like you got, if you compare the two, come on. That's real. <laughs> That's a thing. I couldn't believe it. They come in full costume. I've got pictures. So I was sitting there DJing right before. And I was like, saw them all walking in. Um, look, I get it. I get that. If you think of it as you in your backyard playing, it's hard to legitimize it as a sport. But if you actually watch the pros and you see how many shots there are, how much strategy there is, how much defense there is, and how much of a mental game it is, I think you can appreciate what goes into being a, a really elite player. Um, you know, there's two styles of game. There are bag runners, people who are just trying to get as many bags in the hole as they can. And then there's uh, the dirty style game, which is you're going to block every time. So your opponent mm. has to get around the bag. Oh my gosh. This is crazy. I'm still reeling from the air guitar. <laughs> Tell me about it. I watched the dodgeball too. Cause so that a lot yeah. of those Ocho uh, sports happen at our facility. Um, and so I was there, I, there was like the, um, unfortunately I missed the breakdancing one because I was <laughs> which I was so bummed about. Cause that's that would be cool, man. Oh man. I could hear the DJ and everything. I just couldn't get over there to watch it, but I got, I caught the end of dodgeball and that's athletic. It's so athletic. I've been in several dodgeball tournaments. Just so everyone knows, man. I love playing dodgeball. I, I was impressed because these people were like our age. Okay. Yes. These were like 19 year olds. Right. I mean, there's some serious injury options happen yeah. out there. I mean, it's like, Absolutely. when you go out there, there's a chance for some soft tissue injuries for sure. <laughs> Maybe an ACL. <laughs> That's my thought. I'm like, ooh, their bodies. Ah. <laughs> I know. I'm not going, I'm not playing in anybody's pickup basketball game at 44 years old. That's I'm done with that. <laughs> I mean, that's that's literally a sprained ankle or ACL waiting to happen for sure. I'm not gonna lie. My husband and I were a little bit nervous about snowboarding again. We're like, are we gonna oh, be I okay? <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah, you might wanna <laughs> are we think at that, that point where we should be worried about going snowboarding? I think you should be. I have had several clients who've got hurt skiing and snowboarding, and they always <laughs> They're always like, no, no, I love it so much. I'm like, it's time to put it away. It's just, no, you're not 22. No. <laughs> you're not pliable the way you were. You know, just like, you're like, tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just amazing. Like, it shows you humans love taking games, activities, sports, making them something big. And it just, it brings the community part, I think, is what you've really driven home. Corno has a great community. 
Yeah. Yeah, we do. We actually have had many cool stories. Um, you know, we've had people, uh, there was a young kid, for example, who came and told us after coming after he came with his dad, he was a teenager. And after coming a while, he pulled my husband inside. Just, he said, just so you know, um, I have been suicidal for quite a while. And it wasn't until I started coming here, not only because of all of you, but because this is the first time my dad and I have ever shared anything in common in our entire lives. Like here we are coming together, sharing this sport together. Mm. I have this community, this family that I never had before. Um, you know, he was kind of like a gamer just on his computer or on video yeah. games. And he, he's welcomed in this room of mixed ages and people are, oh, hey, give him a hug. We're happy to see him. He didn't have that before. Um, so I've, I've heard stories like this. We just raised money for a woman who's um, going through cancer. Um, last Sunday, we did a fundraiser for her. I don't even know this woman. Yeah. One of the people at our league came to me and said, can we please raise some money for my friend? And I said, let's do it. You know, and so we got 70 people to come and we do raffles and we charge more to play. And everybody knows that money's going to this person who's fighting for their life and everyone just does it. Wow. I mean, <clears throat> that's unbelievable. Is this a, you know, the people who are going to listen to this, they're going to be blown away because it, to, to most people, it's an underground thing. Yeah. You know, it's not something that you're seeing on a regular basis. And what do you think could be done to like make this more mainstream? How can the marketing be better or just the exposure for cornhole? Yeah, that's a tough one because for a lot of people, they don't want to go to their local league until they're good. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. That's when people be like, Oh, well, I got to get better first. And it's like, just go. Um, yeah. A lot of these, a lot of these, like ours, for example, has uh, divisions. We have a beginner's division so that you can play with beginners. You don't have to play with the yeah. veterans who have been playing for five years and they're going to crush you. Right. Not everyone has that, but they're still going to be friendly and warm. So I would recommend in your local area, just try to find somewhere to play. Um, and if you're too scared to do that, then start with just getting bags and boards and playing in your backyard with friends and, and actually focusing on form, like trying to actually get <laughs> down a flat spinning bag, which is what you're going to require to get better at this sport, right? So I would say that. And then in terms of how we could do better at marketing, we're really good at talking to the Cornell audience, right? Yeah. Like, they, you know, like we, we have our followers, they watch the streams religiously. They're always tuning into the broadcast, the podcast, everything like that. Um, it is hard to get it out in front of more people because it's not a spectator sport yet. So we haven't quite normalized watching cornhole. Um, as much as we get a lot of viewers on ESPN and stuff like that, it's still not as normalized as other sports. So I guess my next piece of advice would just be to, to watch it when it comes on, like search on your, um, on your TV or our next pro event's going to be in April, um, in Corpus Christi, uh, Texas. Um, we're going to have three broadcasts. So it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, three different times, three different uh, types of events, teams event being one of them. Uh, and that's going to be super fun. And then we have our celebrity super holes, which is when celebrities <laughs> team up with pros. And that's really fun to watch. Um, it's obviously not a serious of play, but it's really fun to watch these celebrities get, get like pretty competitive in the sport that they're not, you know, necessarily good at. <laughs> so those are really entertaining. We have one of those coming up in uh, Topeka, Kansas in April as well. It's funny. It's like these things are in places that a lot of people like Topeka, Kansas. I've been there. I used to live in Kansas, but I don't know a lot of people that have been to Topeka, Kansas. So. <laughs> yeah, here I come. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, I'm sorry. Shout out to Topeka. It's not that great. I'm just letting you know. Yeah, no, I went to Wichita last year. I'm like, I'm just sorry. Kansas. <laughs> That's on your bucket list, right? Nobody. Honestly, 
I mean, I don't want to be mean this, but like it's not like people are checking for Wichita and Topeka's like, man, I'm gonna go vacation, you know, in Enterprise, Kansas. You know, it's like it's like it's just not Yeah, the and those are like our opens and shootouts. I will say it does seem like our four nationals are in like Corpus Christi, I think is a place that people desire to go. That's our national, our first national. Yeah. Uh, we have a national in Oregon. Um, I can't remember the other two are off the top of my head, but I feel like the nationals are more focused on locations that people would be more excited yeah. to go to or more populated. What about like Vegas? I can't remember. You, you, you have some events there, right? I mean, yeah, we, we almost always do our first event in Vegas, uh, our first national we have the past two years, but this year it just didn't work out logistically. Um, cause obviously we have to work with all the venues at these locations. Yeah. We don't have stadiums yet. So the way that we have to book, we have 16 opens, we have eight shootouts and super holes and we have four nationals that we have to schedule out all these different venues and they have to be massive venues because mm. not only do we need like a hundred lanes of cornhole boards plus a streaming court we also need a broadcast court espn broadcast court <laughs> so it's wow. not every venue that can house us so so where is it in vegas normally like is i mean we did the mandalay the last oh yeah last... i love mandalay man yeah i don't know the year before um, yeah. but yeah, Mandalay Bay, we had our broadcast court there and it's a whole process to, to <laughs> put together that broadcast court. You would not believe we have our truck outside, right? Where the producers yeah. are. Yeah. So you're saying you want to get serious at cornhole. You should, you can play in your backyard, but probably not play with a beer in your hand and stuff like that. <laughs> like, oh, no, I mean, at leagues, that's absolutely, I mean, <laughs> actually, I shouldn't even say at leagues. Um, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this or not, but <laughs> yeah, notice on broadcast courts that players are holding a cup. Um, that may or may not be water. Maybe. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, no, it's it's uh, Gatorades, hydration, electrolytes. It, uh, like... What we call aiming juice. Yeah. So. Aiming juice. <laughs> oh my god, that sounds so bad. I'm just watching it on a shell. Everything in cornhole sounds bad. Are you kidding me? It's all like sexually provocative. Everything like the super 100%. hole. <laughs> Uh, I mean, when you're commentating, you have to just like suspend all that because you can't yeah. control the things that are going to come out of your mouth when you're commentating <laughs> on Cornhole. Just is what it is. That's just amazing. Uh, the Oregon one, where is that in Oregon? Like Eugene or something like that or uh, Portland? I say Portland. I want to say. I'd have to check though. Yeah. yeah. There that's should be more be on the West Coast, man, for sure. Yeah. I want to say that's May or June. That'd be June in Portland. Man, I uh, yeah, you're saying the West Coast doesn't get as much play, but like, I feel like it'd be awesome on the West Coast, like just big outdoor areas. Uh, let's say in California, the weather's beautiful or something. Well, not right now, but <laughs> generally. Well, McKenzie. So Spencer McKenzie is, is in Ventura, California. Okay. It's the last weekend of August. It's the biggest cornhole tournament of the year. There'll be like 1,250 teams. Um, so it's massive. And that is outdoor at the beach. Oh, at the beach. That's yeah. sick. Yeah. Wow. And it does have a broad, and we're not on the sand, but we're right next to it. And, yeah. and that will also have a broadcast component. Um, wow. So that's really fun to watch. If you look back on that broadcast from last year, that, that was my first sideline reporting job was the Spencer McKenzie's last season. And all the players are wearing like bucket hats and, <laughs> you know, like flip flops or whatever. Like it just looks so funny because it's not typically what you see on a broadcast, but <laughs> You know, we're outside and there's elements and you know, it was freaking cold. Wow. I see like you got to be there's got to be like cornhole championships in Hawaii or, or something like that. Like, I know that, the hard part of that is the, is. Yeah. We drive a truck with boards. No. 
I was like, two ACL trucks. That's how we get our boards to every location. So I don't really know how we get the boards to Hawaii. <laughs> Man. But yeah, we got to drive those boards to each location. That'd be a killer location, though, to have a cornhole event. Yeah. I mean, seriously. It would, but we'd have to, I don't know. I don't know how you get the boards there. Uh, can't they just make them I mean, there or something? something that's the boards. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Even to ship them there is tricky. Well, you're getting bigger. Cornhole's getting bigger. At some point, they'd be like, let's just do it. <laughs> like, put them on a cruise ship maybe, or something. Maybe Sunday. Also, you have to consider, like, a lot of the pros are on the East Coast, Midwest. Like, that's a six-hour time Yeah, change. that's true. That's so true. <laughs> this is just tricky. an amazing world. Like, that's the thing I like diving into these different worlds that people are in. Because everybody's reality is is very different. And the cornhole reality, it just seems like a lot of fun. But I think a lot of people don't realize it has an incredible community aspect, a sp incredible skill aspect yes. to it. And there's a physical nature to it. I mean, it has to be anytime you're moving your arm over and over again in a repetitive motion, something's going to happen at some point. I mean, yeah. so yeah. there's a lot to it, I would imagine. You it's, know? It is so fun to watch these players invent new shots and be so good at shot. Like we're still inventing new shots. They're, they're still doing things that people are like, what was that? And then we have to name it. We're still naming shots. That's where we are, we, where we are in the sport. You know, this season was the first time we saw what we're calling the coin slot, which is when there was bags covering the hole. There was a sliver, like maybe this much of the hole open and the player threw his bag so it rolled in and slid into that tiny no. little slot like this. We called it the coin slot intentionally, by the way. Like he was like, I think I can flip that bag on its side and slide it in. And that's just one of the complex shots we see. You know, we have shots like bar soap, which is when your opponent's bag is in front of the hole and you hit your bag so hard that it pushes their bag over the hole and you go in. What? That's a bar of soap. You have penguin, which is there's a, your opponent's bags in front of the hole. Your bag is behind theirs. You throw a bag, it picks up your bag and hops them both over their bag into the hole, leaves their bag there. People are practicing these shots. Absolutely. They're like literally practicing this. You can go look them up. If you look up the penguin cornhole shot, bar of soap, the coin slot, um, just to name a few. I mean, obviously airmail is when, I shouldn't say yeah. obviously, but airmail is when it's like a swish, right? So it's over just straight yeah. into the hole. Um, the any push shots are just impressive when you're pushing three bags up the board into the hole i mean the, the amount of skill it takes to do these shots is absolutely insane and uh, really really entertaining and fun to watch that's that reminds me of like shots in pool that people mm -hmm. do like that i mean there's some level of physics to this yes and, and like there's that's a right. there's a brain here that somebody <laughs> has different they're like i could do that let me trajectory this this way wow yeah, there's actually uh, Anthony Ione. He's he's one of my coworkers. He's a, a broadcaster with me and, and a podcast host, and he's an engineer. And so he breaks apart the game in in that way. So he he's he would call him the professor. The corn he does cornhole science, <laughs> cornhole professor. If you look him up on YouTube, and his videos get into the specific breakdown of the science of why things are happening and how to do shots, and it's it's really kind of nerdy but fun to watch. Cornhole science science yeah anthony ione he's a good friend of mine and um he's just he's got that brilliant engineering brain right <laughs> every everything in this is hilarious i'm not telling you it's like break it down cornhole science i'm like this is just way more than i bargained for i know <laughs> it's actually uh, it's funny when people come to me like oh you're like a celebrity i'm like in this teeny tiny world <laughs> <laughs> in this very small group of people yes. yeah
This is fantastic. I mean, it's uh, a real pleasure for me, Michelle, because I see you pretty regularly and I'm learning all this stuff that I never knew <laughs> before. So it's pretty exciting. Thank you for coming on and spending some extra time with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. So, you know, you know the deal. What, what, how can people learn more about what you're doing, uh, connect with you on all the, the work that you're doing in Cornhole and outside of that? Yeah, Cornhole Mish is my website. So I go by Cornhole Mish. Everyone pretty much calls me Mish in the industry now. Um, so it's M-E-E-S-H. So you can go to cornholemish.com or you can find me on any social media with that handle. Um, and that's also where I have uh, my other ways that I work with people, whether it's on their body and things like that. That's kind of the hub for everything. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Michelle. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for having me.